Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Sunbury. We pray that you hear from God. Uh, for the benefit of those of you listening online, welcome to you. My name is Ron Cross. I'm the senior pastor here at St. Saviour's. Uh, you, we've been in a series which has been about one another. So if you're new to church, you've not been here for the last four or five weeks, you won't know. But We've been preaching for a change. We're always, always preaching for change. We're always expectant. This morning before the service, we prayed right the way through. The kids, all the, people, all the teachers in the kids' groups and the youth groups, they were praying expectantly that at the end of their teaching, the young people's hearts would be open to have received the teaching, but then would be transformed by the Word, by the teaching, by the Holy Spirit, and their lives would be different. There was an expectancy that their lives would be different from that point on. And I wonder if, if you've come with that expectancy this morning. Or whether you just rocked up and gone, oh, this is the thing that I do on Sunday mornings. So I challenged my first challenge, and Rose said, Rose said so I said to her in the break, as I always do, is there anything I should change from, <laughs> from the first service to the second service? And she said, you just need to let them know that you are encouraging them as you speak, but not always is it saying something that's particularly nice and pleasing to your ears that is an encouragement. My job is not always about just saying nice and lovely things to you, but everything I do say from this moment on for the next 20 minutes, take it as an encouragement, even if you feel it's a bit of a rebuke and a telling off, it's actually an encouragement. And so I, I want you to be encouraged this morning. We've been looking at being kind to one another. Our youth did a great job. Be kind to one another. We looked at forgiving one another. We have looked at hospitality, being hospitable to one another. We have looked at loving one another. Has that made any difference in your life? Four weeks, four sermons, all good things. No one's going to agree. No one's going to say, do you know what? don't think I want any of that in my life. So four weeks, if you've been sat here, maybe you caught a couple of them. Has it made any difference? Have you walked out of the room and gone, I need to make a change because of what I've just heard, because of the, the truth that's been revealed to me through the Word of God and through the Spirit, that I need to change my life. I, I need to do something different. I, I pray that is so. I pray that is so. And I'm praying for you now as I speak. I'm praying for you now that that will be the same this morning as we look at the Word uh, of encouraging one another. Any idea what it means? You know, Jonathan did that last week. He did the derivation. He worked out what the word meant, that sort of thing. Any idea what encourage means? It means to, to hearten, actually. It means to hearten, to strengthen, to support, to fire up, to encourage. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. Can we be an encouragement to one another? Well, that's good. Right, Ron? Yeah, of course. You know, week after week after week, we know that you're going to come out with, or whoever is speaking here is going to come up with some good things. But how, how do you know it's important to encourage one another? Well, I know it's important because I've been on the receiving end of both encouragements and I've been on the receiving end, shock, horror, da, 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 of discouragements as well in my life, my life uh, as a pastor, but also my life, just as a son as a husband, as a father. And so I speak from that place of experience, if you like. I know what it means to encourage, to be encouraged, and I know what it means to be discouraged. 
And my challenge, I suppose, is, is how do you want to be marked this morning from, from the end of this 20 minutes that you're going to listen to? What do you want to be marked by? Do you want to be the sort of person that other people, they see you coming and they cross over the road to get out of your path? Or they see you coming in the supermarket and they scoot down aisle 15 because you're in 13, hoping that you haven't... I know you've seen me doing that, haven't you? Hoping that they haven't caught your eye or trying to get out of their way. Or do you want to be the sort of people that, that someone says, oh, there's an email from that person. I can't wait to read it. There's that person over there. I've got to, go in, I've got to be in their company. I've got to be in their presence because I know it's going to hearten me. I know it's going to encourage me. I know I'm going to be strengthened. I know I'm going to be built up. I know I'm going to be fired up. Do you want to be those kind of people? Of course you do. Of course you do. And I've been on the receiving end of both. It's lovely. You know, if you want to say nice sermon vicar at the end of it, that's great. But, you know, there's lots of ways in which you can encourage me. And I actually have this inbox in my email of the word encouragements. I've got this folder. It's marked encouragements. Those of you that have sent me encouraging emails, you are in that folder. I cherish it. I go back to it. I go, Ron, maybe you're not doing such a bad job after all. I look at that folder. Those of you that have sent me complaints are in a file marked complaints. I don't look at that for now. I don't really have a folder marked complaints. What I do is I have at home a dartboard, some darts, and some pictures. No, I don't. I don't have that. What I actually have is I'm safe in the knowledge that Jesus has got a folder. It's marked complaints. And it's, why did you say that to your lovely vicar? I've been on the receiving end, so I know... I know what I'm talking about. It's not always easy to be an encouragement, is it, though? Because maybe this moment in your life, you're just in one of those, my glass, Ron, is actually half empty. These spectacles that I'm wearing are definitely not rose-tinted. In fact, my life is pretty pants at the moment. Which are you? Which are you? Which will you be? Which can you be? And I... I want to explain why it's important. Maybe you've been beaten down by life, by your experiences so far. Maybe like me, age six, you were in a poetry competition and your head teacher was stood next to you. And in the practice, she said, you'll never be able to speak publicly. Perhaps you've received discouragements like that from the people who should in your life have been strengthening you and heartening you and encouraging you and building you up. Maybe like me, from the age of six, you had someone speak what we in our family call death words. Anything that doesn't bring life is called a death word, and we have nothing to do with them in our family. Be gone, be out of our life. We speak life over our children, not death. We speak life over our relationship, over our marriage. We speak life over our parenting, not death. I don't know if my head teacher is in the room right now. Is she in here? Because I'd like to go, no, 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 no. But it took me 30 years. It took me 30 years of pain, of sorrow, of discouragement, of zero confidence about being able to speak in front of people, about being able to get words out of my mouth. All because somebody discouraged me age six. Maybe you've had that similar thing. Maybe you have had a new baby and insert the name of your in-law and you're tired of being criticized about the way that you 
bath the baby, or the clothes that you wear on the baby, or the, the name that you chose for the baby, or the way that you gave birth to your baby. Maybe you're tired about that. Maybe you're a newlywed in the room. And maybe just as a hint to, to newlyweds, um, the chances are that as you come to be one, as you move in together, as you share life together, the chances are there are going to be some things that bug the living daylights out of you about your partner. And just as a word to my wife, the socks and the pants, they ain't never going to find their way into the laundry basket. All right? There's no point in harping on about it. It's never going to happen. Do you want to be known as a critical bunch of people? Why do you do it like that? Why are you wearing that? Those jeans are too tight. Why are you doing that? Do you want to be known as a cynical bunch of people? That can never work here. One of my church favorites. We've tried that before. That won't work. Do you want to be known as somebody who likes to give backhanded compliments? You know, your hair looks better than yesterday. Or you've lost some weight. At Slimming World, you know, newlyweds, don't ever, ever go there. Now, I, I realize, and I also want to put a little caveat, that there is a place for critique. There is a place for critique. But your job is not the critique police. Okay, just check yourself. Where is it coming from? Is it coming from a heart of wanting to encourage? Or is it coming from a heart, a darker place, of wanting to discourage, of wanting to tear down? Is it a place of bitterness, a place of jealousy? So just check your heart. Have you thought about what kind of day they might have been having up until that point? Have you thought about the words that you're going to give to them? Is it going to lift them? Are they going to walk away from you lifted? Or are they going to walk away from you disheartened? Have a think about that. Is it our job to discourage one another? Lame. You know, when I, I'm going to read from a, a, a Bible passage. In a, in a second. Hebrews 10, if you want to open up your Bibles, we'll be in Hebrews 10. If you've got a church Bible, it's on page 1208. Hebrews 10, you'll find it towards the back of the Scriptures. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. We'll be there in a second. I, I just wonder, I'm wondering whether, as I read this aloud, whether it's actually going to say, let us discourage one another. What do you reckon? You, stop cheating. You were here earlier. You know the answer. And you, you were in the band. Is it going to say, is it going to say, let us discourage one another? No. Some of you. Right, you can have a look at these other passages. I love to write things down. It shows the uh, speaker that I'm actually listening to what they say, but also it helps my brain compute a little bit as well. So there are some other passages, Ephesians 4, 29, 1 Peter 4, 8, 10, 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. But this morning from Hebrews 10, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Have you ever wondered why people come to church? You ever wondered why you're coming to church? Certainly not for my dress sense. I think people come to church for community. One of the basic reasons why people come 
is for community. So where the word common unity comes from two words joined together, common unity. Our common unity, our community is to be marked by the grace of God, by the forgiveness of God, by the love of God, by the kindness of God, by the hospitality of God, by the encouragement of God. That's our common unity. That's what binds us together. That's what makes us different as a people called by God, called as his children, sons and daughters, out into the world to be different, to be marked by that. We need, we need one another. In fact, I'd say it is impossible to live a Christian life, to be a follower of Jesus, without the support, without the spurring on, without the encouragement of brothers and sisters, without the family here. I liken it to a piece of coal on a fire. On other pieces, there's loads of coal, and you light that, and it gives off this great glow, and all the pieces are burning because they're rubbing off of one another. The heat is being transferred. And then if you take a piece of coal off, so if you imagine we as a family are all that coal, and you take a piece of coal off and you just put it to the side and you stop coming for a couple of weeks or a couple of months or a couple of years, that piece of coal, that's you, you die out. You lose your purpose. You lose your heat. You lose your intensity. The good news is, of course, if you put it back on, you'll be fanned back into flames. I hope you find that. If you're returning to church here, I hope that's a mark of the community, the common unity that you found here at St. Saviour's. I hope you found that we are warming you back up again. It's not always easy, of course, to follow Jesus, to be a Christian. When you became a Christian, I'm hoping somebody very quickly told you that your life will not be all roses from here on in. That it will not suddenly dramatically change in everything and your neighbor will be lovely to you and your kids will be super uh, lovely to you and your parents will be super lovely to you and you will never fall out of anyone ever again and there will be no trouble, there'll be no strife, there'll be no loss, there'll be no grief, there'll be no death, there'll be no pain. I'm hoping that somebody didn't promise you that from Christianity but it says we are to hold unswervingly, we hold unswervingly to the hope we profess the hope, the hope of things to come, the hope that life can and will be different as we walk with God. How hard is it to hold unswervingly when you're in the midst of a cancer, when you're in the midst of a loved one dying, when you're in the midst of redundancy, when you're in the midst of fear, when you're holding on to your faith by your fingertips, Ron. You don't understand what my life is like Monday through Saturday. I'm standing on the edge of a precipice, Ron, staring into the blackness. But the reason why the hope you profess that you can hold unswervingly is because there is a Father in heaven, there is a Son, Jesus Christ, there is a Holy Spirit who is holding unswervingly to you. That is the hope that you profess. You can hold unswervingly because God has got hold of you so tightly he will not let you go unless you want to walk away from him. In which case, he as a gentleman will allow you to go your own way. It's easy or not easy, is it, to be a Christian? 
when you catch yourself, when you catch stuff coming out of your mouth. You start bad-mouthing someone, putting someone down, spreading gossip. When you're staring at your tax return and you're thinking, you know, I, I could just make a few extra quid from this if I just change that figure there slightly. It's hard to be a Christian when there are all these thoughts running around our minds about lust and jealousy. It's harder. And like the early Christians that the writer of Hebrews was writing to, there's the possibility that they're going to give up because suddenly life isn't all rosy. They've given their life to God and suddenly, da, 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 newsflash, it isn't all rosy. It isn't all wonderful. Life still has ups and it has downs. There are still quiet, still waters and then there is still the valley of the shadow of death. So let us consider how we may spur one another on. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. Let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Couldn't get there this week. Kids just took ages to get ready. But I seem to be able to get them to school every day at 9 a.m., Husband, he takes ages to get ready, all that gel in his hair. And yet somehow he manages to get to the office on time every day of the week. There was some sport on the telly. There was this. There was that. There always is going to be. There's always going to be something. But brothers need brothers and sisters need sisters. There's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. Do you know how many people I've come across who are disenfranchised with church because church hurt them, i.e. the leadership hurt them, or someone in church said an unkind word, something or other. Generally, that's why people leave churches. But there's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. I can do this thing on my own. We were not built to listen to podcasts at home or tapes for my day. We were not built to read the Bible in private, to pray in private. We were built for community. We were built for family. We were built for church life. The church wasn't and isn't being built for the taking down of one another, the discouragement of one another. We're supposed to be different. Church was never being built by that, for that, and it won't be in the future. We're sharing in something in common. We're sharing with one another, over and over with one another. With one another. Romans 12.10 says we are to give preference to one another. I know many of you wouldn't do this, but you can imagine churches up and down the country where you walk in as a guest or a visitor and you go to take a seat only for some plum to say, that's my seat. Romans 15:7 says we are to accept one another. This is a place of acceptance where we accept one another. That's why you're here. You're accepted. 1 Corinthians 12 says we are to care for one another. Galatians 6:2 says bear one another's burdens. James 5.16 says, confess your sins and pray for each other. Pray for one another. 1 Peter 4 says, serve one another. 1 John 4 says, love one another. And four times in the New Testament, 
we're commanded to greet each other, to greet one another with a holy kiss. Who wants to practice that with me? Dude. That's fellowship. And I know what you're thinking. You're sitting there thinking, but Ron, I'm a glasses half empty kind of guy. I've got these not very nice tinted spectacles on in my life at the moment. Life is tough. How am I going to be able to live up to this high calling that God has for my life? Well, the good news is if you turn to John 15, 26, if you turn to John 15, 26, you'll see that the Holy Spirit, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have accepted Jesus into your life, you have uh, said thank you to Jesus for all that Jesus has done for you, for the fact that he has forgiven you for your past, he has put you on firm footing now, and he has promised the future, an eternal future of abundant life with him. If you've accepted that, and you've accepted the Holy Spirit, you've been baptized into the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you've accepted the Holy Spirit, then guess what the Holy Spirit can be translated as? Guess what word the Holy Spirit can be translated as? The encourager. So if you're a Christian, then you have the Holy Spirit within you. Do you agree with me? Thank you for that encouragement. You have the Holy Spirit. You have access to unlimited encouragement. To dig deep into your faith when your life is going belly up. You don't throw in the towel and go, oh, well, that's it then. I'm off. This is not what was all promised to me. Oh, it was all roses after this. No, you dig deep into God. You dig deep into the encourager, the Holy Spirit, who as Christians we profess and say, the Holy Spirit lives in me. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit, the living God. That's what you do. That is what you do. Spurring one another on. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the practice of doing. God understood thousands of years ago the impact that you and I could have one another on one another. As, and all the men are going to go, oh, this sounds familiar. As, fill in the gaps. Iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. You can put in that woman if you want to. Especially if we're going to live for Jesus. Especially if you're going to make a difference in your school, in your workplace, at the gate, with your neighbours, with your parents, with your children. If you're going to take a stand for Jesus, we're going to need to sharpen one another. So here's a couple of things just for you right now. Uh, don't go running off after the service. Know your Bible. Know in here, contained within the pages of this, are hundreds upon hundreds of promises of God, encouragements for us, daily encouragements. I've said it before, if you're not, if you're not signed up to www.365promises.com, every single day I get a little verse of scripture, comes in and encourages me as a son, as a loved, as a cherished, dot, dot, dot. Sign up to that. Know your scriptures. Go and encourage someone with a word from the Lord. 
Well, go and encourage someone. Go and brighten someone's day. Go and cheer someone up. Go and strengthen their heart. Go and lift them up. Go and say something generous. Go and say something nice. Be kind. Do it after the service. You know, you sit there thinking, well, when am I going to get the opportunity to do that? I don't know. Do it with the person you sat next to. Do it with the people that you go home to. See some of you wives looking at your husbands. <clears throat> Write someone a note. You know, it's not difficult. This is not, this not, this Christian life is not actually difficult. Write somebody a note. Send them a word of encouragement. You know, after the service, if you, if you, you loved what was happening here with our, with our worship, go and encourage the worship team. If you're grateful that somebody served you tea and coffee halfway through, go and encourage them. If you're grateful for the teaching that your kids and your young people have had for the last year, go and encourage someone on the team. Say, you're doing a great job. I really appreciate it. It's not difficult. Write them a note. Pick up the phone. Whatever it might be. Do something. Encourage someone. What would it mean to you? What would it mean to you as a parent of a child who has lost their way Someone comes up to you and says, from the scriptures, he who began a good work in your son, your daughter, who has lost their way, who's gone off of the path, he who began a good work in you, on your child, in your son, in your daughter, will see it through. You can take that as a promise from God. What would it mean if you're all alone, if you're a widow or a widower, to know that he's a good father? that he has adopted you into his family, that you are never alone. What would it mean if someone encouraged you with that? What would it mean as an employee, as someone came up to you and said, Phil, the Lord wants to strengthen you this week. He wants you to work heartily as if you were working for the Lord, straight from the scriptures. What would it mean to you as you went back to your workplace knowing that everything you did was working for the Lord? What would it mean if you're a student here today and someone came up and encouraged you and said, God's got a great, perfect, pleasing will for your life, a, a perfect plan for your life. What would it mean if we were encouraged by that? What would it mean in those times when we get it wrong, someone came along and encouraged you with the words, look up to the hills. Where does your help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. What would it look like to the people in your life right now if as followers of Jesus we took it seriously, were we called by God to be different? To build up, not to tear down. To encourage, not to discourage. To bring light, not to bring darkness. What would it look like? We'd see change. We'd see transformation. And it's a win-win. Because as Anita said, she encouraged someone else, and that encouraged her. Nobody loses when you offer a word of encouragement. So be of good cheer. It will be good for your heart. And everyone else's. Be encouraged and be an encourager. We're going to respond for a few minutes. From our reading, if you're reading along with us in our read scripture, we're in Acts at the moment. I'll take encouragement for this. Chapter 18, when Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, 
the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. When Ron wanted to go to California, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. How can we encourage one another this morning? We're going to respond. There'll be a team of people wanting, waiting to pray for you. Sometimes it's the things that you do that encourage me. A few weeks ago, I shared with the staff team, one of the encouragements was that somebody got up for prayer who hadn't been for prayer before. And that just encouraged my heart. We're always preaching for change. For the Holy Spirit to change. You know, for my words, my words are weak. But his word is strong. Have faith. We'd love to pray for you. There'll be a couple of people available just over here. For more information about St. Saviour's, please visit our website at www.stsaviorsunbury.org.uk